Hi, this is Kenny Duff, and you're listening to Word of Hope Christian Church in New Braunfels, Texas. Hi, everyone, and welcome. I'm Pastor Tim with Word of Hope Christian Church in New Braunfels, Texas. It's awesome to be with you today, and it's also Sunday, January 21st, and this our time together today, this is your Sunday sermon. Pastor Ray Stedman once told the story of some Americans who were stationed in Korea during the Korean War. While they were there, they hired a local boy to cook and clean for them. Being a bunch of jokesters, they quickly took advantage of the boy's good nature. They smeared Vaseline on the stove handles, put buckets of water over the door, and nailed his shoes to the floor during the night. Day after day, this young boy took the brunt of their practical jokes without even saying anything. Finally, the men felt really guilty about what they were doing and said, look, we know these pranks aren't funny for you, and we're really sorry. We're never going to take advantage of you again. The boy smiled and asked, No more sticky on the stove? The guys responded, Nope. No more water over the door? They answered, No more water over the door. No more nail shoes to the floor? Nope. We'll stop that too. Okay, the boy said with a wide grin, No more spit in soup. Now, instead of choosing revenge or retaliation when we've been wronged, we're called to love like Jesus loves. Welcome to part three of our sermon series, Discipleship Matters. And we're going to talk about this very thing today, loving like Jesus loves. More in a moment. Right now, let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, Almighty God, we celebrate you, we worship you, and thank you. Lord, teach us once again in this series why discipleship matters and how we can implement this in our lives. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen and Amen. Last week, we learned that a disciple grows in God's word. They show God's word in their lives by their actions. They know the truth of God's word because they know the Lord personally. And lastly, they go and spread the good news to others. Our focus today, as I said, is going to be on a very key characteristic of a disciple. We find it in John 13, verses 34 and 35, where Jesus says, So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I've loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. So here's our main point. A disciple loves like Jesus loves. And let me make three observations about this passage before we get any further. The word love here is used four times in this passage. Now I realize you may have a different translation. I'm using the New Living Translation and it shows four times. Other translations may show five or a different number. But just so you know, I'm using NLT and in this, love is used four times. Now, this is from the Greek word agape or gapeo, which means a selfless, sacrificial, and unconditional love. It results from a decision of the will, and it's in the present tense, meaning we're to keep on loving. The next phrase is each other, and this is a reciprocal pronoun. In other words, where two or more people do the same thing, and it's found three times here. We're to commit also to each other because we are in community with one another. And lastly, the personal pronoun you is used five times, and it is emphatic. And folks, we can't slide out from under this because it means me and you. Earlier in chapter 13, Jesus had just celebrated the Last Supper with his disciples, and Judas had left to begin his betrayal. Because Jesus knew how difficult the coming days would be for them, he gave them a mandate to love, a model of love, and a manifestation through love. And while our circumstances are different from theirs, the difficulties we face are similar. Our world is less tolerant of our faith. Our religious liberties seem to be vanishing, and it's easy for us to get sideways with other Christians. Beloved, we need each other now more than ever. 
So let's unpack these three characteristics, the mandate to love, the model of love, and the manifestation through love. Let's look firstly at Jesus' mandate to love. Jesus could have told his disciples anything, but he chose to give them a mandate to love one another. Listen to the first part of verse 34. So now I'm giving you a new commandment, love each other. The word new doesn't mean it was just invented, but that the idea of being qualitatively new and fresh. The word commandment refers to a charge or a commission. In other words, this is not a suggestion, it's essential. It's not optional, it's something we're to obey. This is a charge from Jesus Christ himself right before he dies in our place on the cross. So why would Jesus refer to this as a new commandment? I mean, after all, Leviticus 19.18, which was written hundreds of years earlier, says we are to love your neighbor as yourself. In addition, Jesus said in Matthew 5.44, we are to love your enemies. So in what sense is loving one another something new? Well, first, it's a command given by Jesus to the church, not to Israel. Second, it's the beginning of the each other or one another teachings in the New Testament. The third reason leads to our next point, which is Jesus gave us a model of love. Now, we don't have to wonder what this love is supposed to look like because Jesus himself is our example, as we see in the second part of verse 34, which says, just as I have loved you, you should love each other. The commandment is new because we're not only to love others as we love ourselves, we're to go beyond by loving one another as Jesus loves us. Jesus is both our model and our motivation. We're to express love for each other like Jesus loves each of us. Jesus repeats this for emphasis in John 15, 12. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I've loved you. Now this chapter begins with Jesus doing the work of a servant when he grabs a towel and a basin and washes the dirty and smelly feet of the disciples. Notice in the second half of John 13, verse 1, it says, He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. Loving to the very end, that means to the utmost. Jesus could have quickly wiped their feet, but he modeled what love looked like by rising from the table, laying aside his outer garments, pouring water into a basin, washing 24 feet, and drying them with a towel. According to verses 14 and 15, this is the model for the kind of love his followers must demonstrate to and for one another. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. The newness of the command was not because it was a novel idea, but because of its very nature. We are to love as Jesus loves by serving one another. And this leads us to the last point, which is that Jesus gave us a manifestation through love. When we love like Jesus, it becomes a strong witness to the world, as we see in verse 35. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. It's not our preferences, our politics, or our principles that will convince people we're Christians. The love we manifest, the love we show for one another, is the strongest testimony of the truth we claim to believe. The 11 disciples would survive and thrive only as they obeyed Jesus' mandate to love, his model of love, and his manifestation through love. In order for us to truly love one another, we've got to recognize that love is not so much an emotion, but an active emulation of the one who first loved us. It has nothing to do with self-fulfillment, but has everything to do with self-sacrifice. The phrase to the world should be self-explanatory. It's global in nature. People will only perceive we are disciples of Jesus when they see us loving like Jesus loves. You know, this reminds me of a song that I grew up singing in the church back in the 60s. The title is called, And They'll Know We Are Christians By Our Love. 
and it was written by Peter Schultes. One of the verses says this, we will work with one another, we will work side by side. We will work with one another, we'll work side by side, and we'll guard each one's dignity and save each one's pride. And they'll know we are Christians by our love, by our love. Yes, they'll know we are Christians by our love. The love we have for one another should lead others to immediately think of the love the Lord has for us. Let me ask you, do people know you're a Christian by your love? Can people tell that you're a disciple by how devoted you are to your brothers and sisters in Christ? Is there a believer who really bothers you? Do you find it really difficult to love someone who's really difficult? I know I do. Listen, we're commanded to love and not hate one another. You don't necessarily need to like the person or even hang out with them, but you are commanded to love them. I went through something like that a few years ago when I was dealing with this very issue, and it was an extremely heavy burden. During that journey, I came across the scripture in 1 John chapter 2, verse 11, which says, But anyone who hates a fellow believer is still living and walking in darkness. Such a person does not know the way to go, having been blinded by the darkness. I'll tell you candidly, beloved, I was clearly walking in darkness and not light, in sin and not in fellowship with God. I chose darkness and shut myself off to the light. But I thank God that he showed me his light and led me out of that darkness. In the midst of all the conflict and confusion in our culture right now, I came across this very helpful insight from Dr. James Merritt of Touching Lives Ministries, who said, When I think of the toxic atmosphere we're in today, I'm reminded that spit, spat, and spite are close relatives. I am determined to not spit out divisiveness, get in a spat over disagreements, or exercise spite toward those who have differences. Let's not let the donkey and the elephant divide what the lamb did for us on the cross. William Vanderzand wrote in August 2007, To live above with saints we know, oh, that will be glory. But to live below with saints we know, well, that's a different story. Now some of us can surely say amen to that. You know, my guess is there were differences and disagreements among the disciples. Peter's brash personality probably irritated those on the team. I wonder how his brother Andrew felt when Peter, James, and John got extra time with Jesus. We know the other disciples got jealous when James and John angled for those top spots on Jesus' executive team. I can't imagine the tension between Simon the Zealot and Matthew the tax collector. Simon was part of a radical political party that used force to achieve its goals of liberating Israel from Roman rule, while Matthew, he worked for Rome and collected taxes from the Israelites, lining his own pockets in the process. While they had natural conflict because of their politics, they had Christ in common, and they were learning how to love one another like Jesus loved each of them. Early Christian author Tertullian lived in the 3rd century when opposition to Christianity was very intense. Listen to what he wrote about how pagans viewed Christians, and I quote, It is mainly the deeds of a love so noble that lead many to put a brand upon us. See, they say, how they love each other, how they are ready to die for one another, end quote. George Whitefield and Charles Wesley had significant theological differences, which led to a major conflict and heated conversations. One day, a friend of Whitefield's asked, Do you think we, when we get to heaven, shall see John Wesley there? Whitefield quickly answered, No, I do not think we shall. His friend was delighted with the answer until Whitefield continued, I believe Mr. John Wesley will have a place so near the throne of God that such poor creatures as you and me will be far off as to hardly be able to see him. Whitefield loved Wesley, even though he thought he was wrong. He lived this truth. A disciple is one who loves like Jesus loves. Marco Antonio de Dominis said in the 17th century, 
In essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. In all things, charity. Now here's a question. Is there enough evidence of your love toward fellow believers for someone to conclude that you're a follower of Christ? Beloved, let's live out the mandate to love. Let's follow the model of love. Let's demonstrate a manifestation through love. The Bible makes it clear we are to love like Jesus loves, which means we are to love the little, the least, and the lost. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 19, 14. Let the children come to me. Don't stop them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these children. And Matthew 25, 40 says, I tell you the truth, when you did it to the one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Today is also a special day. It's Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. We affirm, along with thousands of other churches, that every person from conception on is an image bearer of God, stamped with divine dignity and worthy of love that leads to life. Since the landmark Supreme Court decision of 2022, which overturned Roe v. Wade, the data I've read from multiple sources tell me that there has not been an overall decrease in procedures across the country. In fact, there might even be a slight increase, depending on who you're reading. What's really staggering, though, is that when I researched the leading causes of death in the United States, abortion numbers were not included on anyone's charts. No organization that I looked at included this. But here's what I put together. The number one cause of death in the United States in 2023 was heart disease, with 695,447 deaths reported. The number two cause of death in the United States was cancer, with 605,213 deaths reported. But in my opinion, what should be the number two cause of death in the United States is abortions, which numbered 625,978 as of 2021. All of this to say three things to you. We will not cave on biblical truth. Our aim is not to be politically correct, but to be biblically correct. We stand on the Bible, and as such, we strive to communicate what the Bible says on all topics. The exclusivity of Jesus Christ. God is the creator. The definition of marriage is one man and one woman, and life begins at conception. It's time for churches to speak up and to reach out to those who are confused and ensnared. Number two, we will not treat sinners harshly. We've got to remember the gospel is for sinners, which means it's for each one of us. It's okay to be upset about evil, but we're always to extend love to people. And number three, we're committed to following Jesus Christ. John 1.14 says Jesus is full of grace and truth. When the woman was caught in adultery in John 8.11, Jesus showed grace to her when he said, Neither do I condemn you. And then he told her the truth go and sin no more. Likewise, we're called to minister the truth and do so with grace. As we learned last week, truth spoken in love actually leads to forgiveness and freedom. Remember Jesus said in John 8, 32, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. He followed that up in verse 36. So if the sun sets you free, you are truly free. Proverbs 14, 25 says, a truthful witness saves lives but a false witness is a traitor. Also in my study this week, because it was Sanctity of Human Life Sunday today, I came across Jeremiah chapter one, verses four and five. Let me read that for you. The Lord gave me this message. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. This passage, along with many others, establishes the sanctity of human life. This is God's word about the wonder of life in the womb. Individuals will have their opinions, 
Organizations will offer their expertise. Politicians will differ about the preborn. But this is what God says. And here's a few observations about that scripture passage in Jeremiah. The word before is used twice, moving us back in time from the point of conception to some time in eternity past. The word I is used three times, not only indicating God is the one speaking, but he's the one at work in the womb. And the word you, it's used five times. This shows what is in the womb is a person, not a blob or a bunch of cells. Psalm 139, one of my most favorite parts of the Bible. Verse 16, in fact, is where David recounts how God created him with purpose. This is what it says. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. God has the length of our lives all figured out, beloved. When God creates, he does so with purpose. He has plans and purposes for the preborn as well. And here's a few additional thoughts. The exalted lordship of Christ leads to expressions of love and to an ethic of life. We're to love our neighbors nestled in their mother's wombs so they can live. And there's no difference between a preborn baby and a newborn except location. One of the ministries that we support in New Braunfels is Options for Life. Let me give you a brief recap of what God did through this amazing ministry in 2023. Total client visits, 3,256. Pregnancy test appointments, 691. Ultrasound appointments, 634. Diapers distributed, 94,343. Presentations of the gospel, 633. Professions of faith and rededications, 55. So beloved, let me say this. What can you do as a disciple of Christ with all of this that we've talked about? Number one, manifest love by standing up for life. As you have the opportunity, share God's view of life in the womb with people and help people who are in crisis. I also believe that if more men would stand up and choose life, there would be fewer abortions. If you've gotten someone pregnant, it's time to man up and make sure that your son or daughter lives and is loved. Next, I would encourage you to contact your local crisis pregnancy center. In New Braunfels, ours is called Options for Life. The contact information will be in the description of this video for you. And whether you're wanting or needing a pregnancy test, ultrasound, pregnancy support, or even post-abortion support, please contact these folks. You don't have to go through this alone. I've come to know the executive director and staff at the Options for Life Center in New Braunfels, and they are some of the most caring people I've ever met. You'll be met with love and understanding when you call and or visit. I'm going to close the message today with this scripture, 1 John chapter 3, verse 23, which says, And this is his commandment. We must believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. Jesus commanded us to believe in his finished work on the cross, and he commands us to love one another. Beloved, let's not retaliate when we're wronged, but instead let us love like Jesus loved by obeying his mandate to love, by living out his model of love, and by showing his manifestation of love. And all God's people said, Amen. Thanks for listening. Join us again next time for another encouraging message from God's Word. To find out more about our ministry, look us up on the web at www.whccnb.org. Word of Hope Christian Church. Real people. A real God. Real hope.